Hi there, and welcome to Baseball by Design. I am SportsLogos.net minor league baseball correspondent Paul Caputo, curator of the Sunday Helmet Hall of Fame in my basement in Fort Collins, Colorado. This week on the podcast, we're going to be talking about the Staten Island Ferryhawks, a member of the Atlantic League of Professional Baseball, who, of course, play in one of the five boroughs of New York City. Later on in this episode, we'll be speaking with Sky Dillon, the designer who created this brand. We'll be speaking with author, New York baseball fan, and member of the sports media, George Falkowski. And of course, Dan Simon will be here with one of his Studio Simon Stumpers. Right now, I am so pleased to be joined by Eric Shuffler, who is the president and owner of the Staten Island Ferryhawks. Eric, good morning. How are you? Uh, I'm great. Super excited to be on. Uh, love what you do. Love talking about the importance of brands and team names and uh, really excited. Thank you. Well, this is, you know, this is a case study in in unique nicknames in the baseball landscape, right? Like this is one where uh, th there's not a lot of places where you're where the team is going to be called the Ferry Hawks. And so <laughs> uh, so I'd like to start with that. Like, you know, what what in your mind, what is a Ferry Hawk? Why is that name appropriate to Staten Island, New York? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I think it's so important for these minor league teams to have names that represent the community, names that really couldn't be the name of any other team in another place. And I think when we looked at Staten Island, you know, the ferry is one of the iconic things that people think of Staten Island culture, the Staten Island ferry. And, you know, the hawk is very prominent on Staten Island. You know, the people on Staten Island tend to be predators. They tend to be, uh, you know, strong and aggressive. You know, they watch out for each other. And, you know, I think the combination of the two really became a unique way to capture something that is very much a part of the Staten Island ethos. And, you know, it wasn't a name that we chose. It was a name that really emerged out of a public process. You know, as you describe this brand and as you describe Ferry Hawks and why that name is significant to to Staten Island in particular, you know, I look at this logo and I see and it's a really serious hawk, right? Like he's not smiling. He's not cartoonish, right? <laughs> like this is a very it's a serious uh, brand. How come this hawk is uh, so, so serious and intimidating? You know, we felt that was, you know, kind of the Staten Island brand was tough and strong and, you know, maybe a bit intimidating. And we wanted the hawk to reflect that ethos. You know, we do joke around that maybe in a year or two we'll come out with a you know, a friendlier kid version of the Hawk as an alternative version. But for now, we felt the Hawk captured the Staten Island attitude. That was important to us. The um, the Hawk itself, uh, is it a particular species? It says on Wikipedia that the uh, red-tailed Hawk and the Cooper's Hawk are native to Staten Island. Was that part of the conversation in terms of what it, the actual it, Hawk looks it, like? It was. It was part of the conversation. We actually thought about naming the Hawk Cooper. Oh. Uh, for the Cooper's Hawk and also Cooper's Town. But, you know, after a lot of deliberation, we ended up with Frankie, a name that really would resonate more in Staten Island with its strong Italian heritage. And that proved to be another you know, winning choice. Part of the history of this team, not directly, but indirectly, is the fact that they're, the Staten Island Yankees played there. They lost their affiliation in the great Vogon Destructor Fleet reshuffling <laughs> of minor league baseball. And, uh, you know, that team ultimately couldn't survive that, tr you know, that transition out of affiliated ball. And then so in come you all with uh, with the independent Staten Island Ferryhawks. How important is it to you just in general, the fact that there is baseball in and or on Staten Island? 
I'm not a native Staten Islander. So I speak from what people tell me. And I think it's extremely important for several reasons. One, Staten Island is a hotbed of baseball. It has probably the best little league. You know, in the five boroughs, it takes its Little League extremely serious. They have multiple runs to the Little League World Series. So sports and baseball in particular have a very strong history on Staten Island. You know, Bobby Thompson was a Staten Islander. You know, there's several guys in the majors. Tom Cosgrove now with the Padres is a Staten Islander. You know, they are always battling for city championships, Catholic city championships. So it is very much part of their DNA. And I think, there, you know, there's another element of Staten Island, which is, you know, many people in Staten Island refer to it as the forgotten borough. Not a huge fan of that because I think it really is this incredible borough that mm-hmm. doesn't get enough credit and isn't looked at in the way it should be. So having your own baseball team is a way to kind of anchor the profile of an area and build around it with something that is yours. And that also was kind of part of our thinking on the team name was we wanted to have a name that Staten Island was proud of and represented the strength and pride of Staten Island and really was unique to Staten Island. You say you're not native to the area. I'm curious to know how many times, uh, if you can possibly count, how often are you back and forth uh, on that ferry? How, how how often have you taken the ferry? Oh, I'm there four to five days a week, uh-huh. pretty much every game. So, you know, I am on the ferry many, many, many times. So can you can you describe that experience? I've never taken this ferry. I do love a ferry. I, that's a you know it's an amazing way to get around uh, you know in in places where that's necessary. I'm curious, just what what is that experience you know from when you uh, get on the ferry to when you disembark? Yeah, it's it's a tourist experience in some ways and a commuter experience in other ways. You know, I tend to take it um, mid afternoon or late morning or end of the the evening on the way back it is a tourist experience a lot of times there are you hear lots of different languages you hear see lots of families that are there clearly as part of their new york city experience you go by the statue of liberty and you know everyone is rushing to the sides to take their pictures you know so that's one experience there's also a second ferry that just started in august of 22 that takes a little bit of a different route and that has an upper level and that to me is a lot of sightseeing. And I think what's great about the ferry is you see a tourist, you see your guys and women, you know, hustling to work and you see people just kind of taking that half hour ride to enjoy, do some work, read the paper, look out the window at the awe that is, you know, the Manhattan skyline or out to Brooklyn and the Verrazano, look out to the Statue of Liberty. I like taking it after games because I like taking it back with fans and it's a chance to talk with fans about their experience and what we have found is taking the ferry is part of the experience of coming to a ferry hawk game. It's part of the adventure. You know, it's funny that you say that, actually, because I, I feel that way anytime a team involves any kind of public transportation to get to. I love that experience. Uh, you know, I remember taking public transportation to games in Wrigley and Fenway. The game experience to me starts earlier and ends later when you get to and from the game on public transportation. And I love the idea that getting to and from this game also in, involves, you know, depending on where you're coming from, going back and forth on this ferry. Paul, it also makes it a little more communal because mm-hmm. you're having a shared experience. You know, I'm a Mets fan and, you know, I take the seven train to to Shea City Field many times. And there is that shared experience with other Mets fans. And, you know, the game's more important, people cheering, singing, it definitely adds 
to the experience. And I think when you're on the ferry and you get to go see the Statue of Liberty, or your kids are there and get to go on a bull ride, and you're looking at that really incredible view, especially at night, coming back after a 6.30 game, it is part of the adventure. We hear that a lot from fans, especially ones that are coming from Manhattan. You know, it's part of their game day experience that they really love. That is, uh, you know, as a, as a great segue to my next question, which is, you know, I imagine that as you are taking the ferry, you're, you yourself, that you're hearing a lot from the fans and you're getting a lot of feedback, whether they realize they're giving it to the president and owner of the team or not. What has the reception been in 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 the couple of seasons that you guys have had? How have the fans embraced this nickname? And, uh, you know, what what have you learned on this journey? Yeah, the fans love the name. I think that is, you know, we can argue what we got right, what we didn't get right. The name universally has been loved. And, I, you know, I think that became clear quickly. We had a voting contest and we put the names out to the public and had several rounds of voting. And every time we did it, Barry Hawks was by and by far the leader. And when we would be out talking to people, it was by far the leading choice. So that we feel really good about. I think on the fan experience, what I love talking to fans about is one, how they how they hear about the Ferry Hawks, and second, you know, what they like about the experience. So I find the Ferry Chips really insightful yeah. for people giving me suggestions on the game day experience, you know, the music, the food, you know, the kids' entertainment. You know, once you get people comfortable, and I always acknowledge who I am, so I'm not some random person coming up, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, grilling them on their Ferry Hawk experience. <laughs> and, you know, there's people I give everyone my card. They'll email me. You know, I'll say, listen, go home, think about it, email me. And I've gotten some really great feedback from people um, about suggestions on it. Yeah. I imagine that's a really great way to, uh, to focus group <laughs> for lack of a better word, but you know, what a great way to receive. And people are always, people are always amazed that I'm on the ferry with them. They just don't expect that. Is there one that when you uh, are on the ferry or you're in the team store, is there, is there a mark in particular that fans are particularly drawn to? I think they're drawn to the basic hawk flying out with the Verrazano in the background. Mm -hmm. That is by far our most popular one. Uh, I like that one because to me it captures the strength of Staten Island. It captures, you know, the bridge in there. He's got the green belt, which represents one of the, the green belt, the Staten Island, a huge open space. Mm -hmm. You know, it represents strength and aggression. And, you know, I, that I think is the one that everybody likes. It's my favorite too, but I sentimentally, I love the one that we call the Bobby Thompson mark, mm -hmm. which is the ferry hawk hitting the home run. Yeah. over the harbor out towards Manhattan and towards the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. I just think it's, a, it's maybe a little more fun. And, you know, I'm a baseball nostalgia guy. So, you know, as we were going through it, something that brought out, you know, one of baseball's greatest moments uh, is kind of cool for me. I do want to touch on uh, something, uh, you know, an interesting sort of side note about the team, not specific to the the logo and the actual uh, brand identity, but the larger brand of the the team. Part of the sort of the lore of the team, the history of the team, is that uh, the first woman to play in the Atlantic League was Kelsey Whitmore. Um, that's obviously a, a landmark occasion for for this team. Um, can you tell me about you know what that experience was like for the team and how that came to be? Kelsey is still with us. She is an amazing baseball player. I think the thing that I most respect about Kelsey is she is a baseball player who happens to be a woman, mm -hmm. and really in that order, the team has embraced her. They treat her like one of theirs. They see how hard Kelsey works. And, you know, when you hear about people who are pioneers and groundbreakings, you always wonder about how people around them will react. Mm -hmm. And I'm really proud of how our team has reacted. Mm -hmm. Again, they treat her like everyone else gets treated. 
you know, the fans, I think that's been the coolest thing is seeing her impact on fans, mm-hmm. men, women, but especially young kids and especially young girls. Uh, when she gets up at bat, there is a buzz that just takes place through the stadium. It's like, you know, when, if Aaron Judge gets up, like everybody wants to watch. And then you all you start hearing cheering. Mm-hmm. So it is really, it's inspiring to watch that. It has been very easy for all teams to adjust to that. We've not had an issue with anyone, any place with her. She is a rock star. Yeah, absolutely. That's a cool part of the story of this team. And I love your characterization of the fact that, you know, she's Kelsey is a baseball player who happens to be a woman, because I think that's the, you know, the perfect way to approach that. So obviously part of the history of, you know, baseball in Staten Island is I referenced the the Yankees. Um, you know, they had a sort of classic traditional, you know, boring parent club name. The, you know, their their foray into establishing an alternate brand uh, was the Pizza Rats, very famously the Pizza Rats, which uh, generated a lot of conversation. It had sort of their, the, there was a sort of love-hate relationship with that. A lot of people thought it was a lot of fun, but a lot of people didn't, you know, appreciate it uh, and thought it didn't, you know, represent the community. Uh, you know, I'm not asking you to take a stance on the Pizza Rats one way or the other, but obviously with that as a, as a, as a backdrop to the process of establishing a new team and a new identity in Staten Island, how did that influence your conversations? Yeah, it's a great question. It was a significant influencer in the sense of the name sold a lot of merch mm-hmm. and it definitely had people who liked it. But by and large, when I you know came in and John Katz, we heard a lot from political leaders, elected officials and fans that it was a name they weren't proud of. It was a name they found offensive that they were embarrassed about that didn't, reflect Staten Island or knowledge of Staten Island. And what was one of those requests, whatever you do with a name, one, don't go pizza rat. And second, mm-hmm. it has to be a name that we can be proud of and that represents all that's good about Staten Island. We don't want these names that are backhanded compliments or backhanded insults. And there was a lot of feeling that that name did it mm-hmm. and that we had to get this name right in a way that everyone on Staten Island could be proud of. So that was a humongous framework for how we entered the process yeah that's that's i mean those are all great points right like what an important part of that conversation as you establish you know this this new team uh eric uh i appreciate you joining me uh from your vacation uh we as we mm-hmm. uh, just, established in the uh, pre pre-interview just some days, conversation. Off. Just some days <laughs> somewhat off okay while the team's okay. on the road all right. Well, that's. Uh, I'm glad you're able to have a little bit of time, and and I appreciate that you used it to come talk to me for this podcast. Thanks very much, and best of luck with the the waning days of the season here. And I I hate saying that out loud because I love baseball season so much. And uh, you know, best of luck to the to the team uh, going forward. I think it's a really fun brand and uh, really fun to talk about. And uh, now I'm I'm going to have to find it on a. Do you all do the ice cream helmets with the with the Fairy Hawks? We brand do. On? We <laughs> do. We have them in orange and blue, two colors. Uh, and I think we actually have it where you can get two different logos on it. Oh my gosh, that's amazing! That's I, a strong. I'm a, I'm a dork, so I wanted to have that where people could have some options or collect them. Well, let's not get into who's a dork about this because I have a shelf <laughs> behind me with 450 uh, unique ice cream helmets out there. So, <laughs> uh, well, send me your address. I will get you some of ours. I have about 20 in my kitchen counter that my wife is always like when I come back with my kids who aren't kids anymore, she's like, why do we keep bringing these home? Like, because someday they're going to bring them out and they're going to remember all these trips. So until then, we keep them all. John Hodgman always says the the difference between a hoarder and a collector is a display case. And so that's uh, 
<laughs> I like that. <laughs> so, Eric, thank you again. This has been a lot of fun, and uh, and best of luck to you and the team. Thank you. All right, take care. Bye bye. I am so pleased to welcome back to the podcast Sky Dylan, who created the Staten Island Ferryhawks logo. Sky, how are you doing? It's great to see you again. I'm doing great, Paul. How are you? I am doing really well. You're back on, and we're talking about this one particular brand that you worked on, which uh, you know has been really fun and 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 really received positively. I think out there in the world, the the Staten Island Ferryhawks. What were the what were the considerations that you had going into this project? What did the team ask for? What did you bring to it? And you know, what were you what were you trying to accomplish? As always, excellent question to get us started, Paul. <laughs> uh, this was an interesting one because they had uh, they were in the process of finding an ownership group when they already knew that there was going to be a team on Staten Island. So roughly January, uh, the year that we eventually worked on the identity and later launched it in November, about January in the timeline, they had not yet solidified an ownership group, yet they had a good sense that there would be a club coming to Staten Island. And so just proactively, they engaged, the league engaged us on, you know, just kind of getting the ball rolling with perhaps exploring some name options or whatnot. So we did a deep dive in January as far as, you know, what are some potential names that we could eventually utilize or whatnot. That process ended about a month in when they finally did land on an ownership group. And turns out that they, you know, the owners that they ended up uh, going with had a really good sense of baseball. Eric Shuffler really spearheading that group. And because of really their, you know, really attunement to the sport and really the desire to really have, you know, a, a good set of influence, a good amount of influence on the eventual identity, they, you know, kind of shifted gears 180 degrees and, and the name the team contest was then uh, really uh, executed from the team level throughout the summer. So it was good in the sense that it gave us really kind of that initial uh, dive into Staten Island and all the potential themes that existed there. Uh, but then the team really took the reins as far as, you know, you know, following through on a formal name, the team. So we, you know, kind of went back to the bullpen, so to speak. And then September, they came back with the finalists of, uh, I believe at the time it was Harbor Heroes, Dragon Slayers and Fairy Hawks. Mm -hmm. So that was the, those are the finalists that the team came up with. And then in September, we were re-engaged with that new ownership group to begin the process. Okay. So did you create uh, sketches? Did you do any preliminary work on those other brand names that were part of that contest? Yeah, so we didn't even really get that far. We were really okay. just, you know, thematically just getting a, you know, dipping our toe in the water, so to speak. And um, it was funny because at the time we were, you know, there's the Game of Thrones connection to Staten Island. So we were thinking along medieval lines, which for the listeners that aren't aware, apparently the author of Game of Thrones used to live in a high rise in Jersey City and was his... Uh, office was overlooking Staten Island in the distance. And so wow. as it was writing this fictional narrative of medieval lore, that, you know, the, the distant mysteriousness of Staten Island really was inspiration for a lot of the kingdoms and different lands that existed in Game of Thrones. So there's a lot of really cool stuff there. You also had the King of Staten Island with Pete Davidson, kind of pop culture wise was popular at the time. So again, King, Staten Island, you know, our heads were kind of in that in that area of maybe it's something related to that medieval thing, but with a modern twist. You know, if you really wanted to pay tribute to uh, George R. R. Martin and the Game of Thrones idea, you could have promised a finished logo for seven years and then just decided, <laughs> nah, forget it. 
So right. <laughs> a little little great Game of Thrones joke there on baseball by design. That's we're we're ninety something episodes in, and that's my first Game of Thrones joke. So the so you mentioned the hawk in in particular, and you sent me this very cool PDF uh, with a lot of the research that you've done and logos that involved birds and hawks in particular, and you know a lot of photos of different hawks and some illustrations that you did as as part of your process. I'm curious to know whether you at some point targeted a specific kind of hawk or was it open was it a more sort of generic like a you know like a seahawk which is not a real kind of bird you know or officially anyway was it more generic or did you end up honing in on a specific kind of hawk that was particular to that area in some way so uh, yeah, as we as we began the creative process and the team came to us with those names, it was so important when we started the design process to get ownership on the same page with what is a fairy hawk? It's mm. not an eagle. It's not a bronco. You know, it's not this literal symbol that folks already have an, a normal image in their mind of of, of what it is. Uh-huh. A fairy hawk really had you know the ambiguity to become whatever we wanted it to be to tell the story of the baseball team that they wanted to tell. And so uh, that PDF you alluded to was our uh, our defined phase presentation where we basically said, okay, we're going to you know, remove any you know, current thoughts that we may have as far as what this identity should be. And we're simply going to look at the essence that we're trying to convey, which mm-hmm. we had already established that, which was gritty, strong, loyal, chip on the shoulder. Uh, the fairy hawk rises up in, t- in times of great need and of course loves baseball. So mm-hmm. really an encapsulation of the persona of Staten Island, uh, really being that underdog borough with really this, you know, just good heart, like a loyal, uh, a loyal, uh, uh, you know, people on Staten Island are are true to, yeah. to the, true to their roots, and so using that as kind of our guiding light, we came up with, you know, four buckets that that really were a way to us, for us to get a temperature check with the ownership on where they wanted to land. So the first one was what we called swagger it was our retro fairy hawk so picture mm-hmm. this barrel chested fairy hawk super you know strong and kind of a, a retro style from an artistic standpoint to pay tribute to a lot of the really rich baseball history that exists in the in the manhattan new york area mm-hmm. uh, the second direction was what you have alluded to uh, initially which was hunter so this really super modern sleek uh hawk which you know for the listeners picture like a stylized Seattle Seahawk, you know, fast motion, uh, sleek, really kind of bold in nature in that regard. Um, Let's see, the third was protector. So it was this idea of playing off that first responder idea of rising up in times of great need. What if this fairy hawk was almost like this this ghost-like figure that was always ever present with the ferry as it crossed back and forth across New York Harbor. So it could Mm. be a cloud, it could be a wave, it could almost be like this mythological being that, you know, we could create this, this whole new meaning for what a hawk is in terms of that mythological route. Uh, and then finally, the fourth one was transformers. This idea that, you know, thinking of all the innovation and change and, and positive uh, ambition for this, this new direction for the future of the island, uh, this idea of a, of a fairy hawk playing off of that metallic nature of the, uh, the fairy itself and picture almost like a like a uh, uh, Optimus Prime as a fairy hawk. So this transformer character that is amphibious but also can fly in the same way that the you know the the fairy is going back and forth across the harbor as a 
as a uh, a vessel, a maritime vessel, but the hawk obviously alluding to something that's that's airborne. And so it was kind of like in minor league baseball, there really are no rules when it comes to what your mascot can look like or can be. And so for us, that really represented that you know far end of the spectrum creatively, mm -hmm. uh, in contrast to that initial direction with the barrel-chested, very traditional fairy hawk wearing a baseball uniform. So for us, it gave the gave the owners a wide range of ideas to think about and consider and you know feel like we'd left no stone unturned and so mm -hmm. from that they eventually combined too coincidentally so that idea of the spirit of a of a of a retro fairy hawk with lots of swagger and also this idea of a protector and a very yeah. heroic fairy hawk rising up to you know help those in need the one interesting anecdote that came from sharing those initial ideas was we're not fictitious there's nothing that's fake about the people on the island there's nothing that's you know, so like that third direction that I mentioned that had the um, that mythological fairy hawk, for example, super cool idea and probably would have a lot of traction in a lot of other cities where that idea of this um, a made up character, so to speak, would be fun and interesting. But just knowing the tenor of the, the folks on the island, very raw, very authentic, you know, very true in regard to just the, the ethos there. And so something like that would not have been a proper fit for that particular audience, which mm. is why we go through the process and, and kind of are thorough in that sense and explore lots of ideas like we do. Where you landed, as you as you mentioned, you you know, there's you have part sort of spirit guide and part, you know, retro design. It's it seems like in in designing for this audience, it was very important to actually get the literal landmarks of this place into the logo itself. Is that particular to this you know new york the borough of staten island that you know there's a pride that goes into into being from there what was the decision in in making sure that you literally represented the the ferry and the bridge in this logo yeah you nailed it there's that's exactly it really conveying the sense of pride that folks on the island have for their borough and in kind of in lockstep with that at the end of the day, it's it's part of New York City, and there's lots of tourists that that visit with the Staten Island Ferry being a very common attraction for tourists that are visiting. Mm -hmm. It's a free ride to take that from downtown Manhattan to the island and back. You pass the Statue of Liberty, you see the New York skyline. So all that being said, those symbols are really the fabric of what represents the island on a universal level. It was important that as we went through this, that certainly there's room for Easter eggs here and there. For example, the belt on the on the on the hawk is green as a tribute to the green belt, which is the moniker for their park system. So that's kind of a fun Easter egg that you don't necessarily have to get in order to understand the brand as a whole. But the ownership was very clear from the beginning. This has to be a tough, strong, heroic hawk that's ready to, you know, ready to compete. Uh, as a as a reflection of the spirit of the folks on the island, and it has to contain those iconic uh, symbols of Staten Island that anyone around the world will recognize. So the ferry number one, Verrazano Bridge number two, and of course uh, with the the splash of the harbor really being the backdrop to the entire mark. Uh, the the type that you created for it is has a a, a traditional baseball feeling about it. Has a, a you know it really it feels. It feels, I don't know, I, I don't know if, I guess type can do this, right? It feels very New Yorkish to me, right? Like it has a just sort of traditional 
arc uh, that you might see on a baseball jersey, but I maybe it's just because of, I, I'm associating it with the rest of the uh, the the logo here. But the the type feels really New Yorky to me. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because that was our last hurdle in the process. You know, the team loved the name. Obviously, they loved the once we came back with the potential themes. You know, in love with those two that I mentioned that we eventually merged into the final direction. They loved how the hawk was turning out. All those things were the, the colors, obviously, paying tribute to the orange of the ferry, the blue of the of the harbor, the green of the green belt, um, and even the the rock gray that we use, paying tribute to the name of the island being the rock. So yeah. the rock gray really is the anchor color. And we were at the finish line, literally the 11th hour. We're in November. The launch is in a couple of weeks. And that, you know, being true to the process and, and saying, oh, this is, you know, anything that we do, you know, we're doing with excellence. And, you know, there's no stone unturned. There's no part of the part of the identity that that uh, um, we don't do at the, you know, to the highest level, so to speak. And that and that last piece that was just not quite complete was the typography. And, you know, we went around and around a little bit and ultimately um, landed on a typeface that is basically born from that that really quirky yet charming font that you see on the side of the Staten Island Ferry. So. Uh -huh. You know, for the listeners, if you look up a picture of the Staten Island Ferry, it's kind of this fun, it's got a little bit of whimsy to it. It's got a lot of, little bit of charm to it. There's really some, some great character to those letter forms, almost to the point where it's, it's too quirky. And initially the team was like, yeah, maybe that's a little bit too far. But as we worked with it, that really became the foundation for the font that we landed on, where we took really the, the F and, and F is really the, the, uh, and the S both letters found on Staten Island Ferry, capital letters. Mm -hmm. Coincidentally, we had the S and and the F really um, bookmark book uh, book ending our Ferry Hawks wordmark. So that's where we landed. We took that font, really streamlined it, made it more baseball, you know, oriented as far as the arch and the thickness. And then the final, you know, detail that was uh, that really put it over the top was those kind of curved serif treatments on the middle of the letter forms and on the end of the letters. And that was a way to, um, you know, the, those curved kind of pointed serifs kind of feel like hawk talons, hawk feathers, but also there's an element of like tattoo calligraphy to it as well. So it's a very raw, very rough uh, letter form that, again, thinking about the audience, Staten Island, like that's that's a part of the motif of Staten Island is like really cool tattoos. So right. again, it doesn't really hit you over the head with it, but mm -hmm. all things being considered, now that you take a step back and look at it, it has a lot of that DNA. And I'll mention as an aside about midway through the process when we were talking about what the theme was, you know, this whole idea of a, of a kind of a renegade hawk and kind of this chip on the shoulder. For a period of time, briefly, we, we entertained the idea of almost like a pirate theme mm -hmm. where, you know, you had this ferry as the ship going back and forth. You picture the flag being raised with a, you know, a hawk skull and cross bats as our Jolly Roger, right. uh, so to speak. And I almost think like the Oakland Raiders, you know, right, the black, right. you know that kind of, right. of an attitude. And so all that being said, it eventually came out in the form of the typography with that really raw and, uh, you know, aggressive uh, type, if you will. Um, and then one more note I'll have on that is uh, the SI monogram that, that obviously uses that same typography was uh, a way to pay tribute to the old, uh, giants that used to be in New York, and oh. they had that interlocking NY, orange colorway, kind of that same uh, curved, pointed uh, serif treatments that you'll see on the New York Mets, uh, okay. old Dodgers caps. So there's a lot of that DNA that pays tribute to like the old 
iconic baseball lore that exists in the in the shadow of New York City from back in that era. This is why I love doing this podcast so much because like learning details like that. I hope everyone who is not driving or like out for a run or whatever <laughs> did exactly what I just did now as you were saying this, which is I immediately went and Googled the Staten Island Ferry and I could immediately see what you were talking about, how the, the type for the team derives from that and what an, what an amazing detail, right? I, I, I love that so much. So I do have to ask you, uh, you know, just before I before I let you get out of here, I, I'm curious to know, did you go ride the Staten Island Ferry as part of your process? Well, of course. I mean, one of the benefits of being based in New Jersey is Staten Island is basically our neighbors. So I've ridden the ferry many times, very familiar with it, but it was an excuse to get back over there and and uh, do it with a pen and, and pad in my hand, taking down notes of inspiration as I did so. So yeah, most certainly that was that was one of the highlights. I love it. I happen to love New York City and, you know, talking about a team like this and, you know, I'm out here in Colorado and I did get to go to New York uh, recently this year, but this just makes me nostalgic for getting to New York City. So now I really have to go see a Staten Island uh, Ferry Hawks game. And perhaps you can come join me and we can share an ice cream helmet. That would be fantastic. <laughs> Sky, this has been so we, much we fun. Can, we can raise the Jolly Roger together, <laughs> which by the way, Paul, yeah. as you know, kind of one of those ideas that came to me as we were, as while we were riding the ferry was this idea of, uh, you know, Bobby Thompson, again, most iconic baseball player in the history of, of, of Staten Island. He wasn't born there, but spent a lot of his you know time uh, uh, living there. And, you know, he was known for his infamous shot her around the world to win the pennant yeah. uh, for, the, for the Giants back in the day. And so you'll see one of the marks that we have in the system is uh, the ferry hawk hitting a home run into New York Harbor over the ferry with, with the Statue of Liberty in the distance. Uh, as a way to kind of pay tribute to that. Again, everything that we did was authentic. There's nothing yeah. made up here, so to speak. So everything pays tribute to, to New York baseball or the island in some form or fashion. And that was just another nod uh, kind of uh, embedded within the identity. Sky, that's a great detail. Thank you for sharing that. I'm, gl I'm, I'm, glad, you, uh, I'm glad you told me about that. That's, that is a really terrific detail. That's really fun. Well, I have kept you way longer than I meant to. I I, I knew I would, right? I knew that was going to happen. Why? I don't know why I even bother saying that anymore. <laughs> but uh, thank you so much for for coming on and talking about this. And we'll we'll catch you next time. I, there's a lot more logos you've done that I want to have you back on to talk about here on the podcast. Fantastic, Paul. Hey, always appreciate it. Really love what you do. Oh, thank you for that. You got it, Paul. Have a good talk one. Talk to you soon. All right, everyone, welcome back. I am very pleased to be welcoming to the podcast for the very first time, long overdue, George Falkowski, who is the author of Meet Me at the Bat. I'm doing that thing where I hold up a book that my guest has written, even though it's an audio podcast, but I want George to see it in my grubby little mitts. Meet Me at the Bat. It's an expression that you explain in the book is something that all Yankees fans will know. It's a landmark at old Yankee Stadium where, you know, in the days before cell phones, you know, you had to you had to establish where you were going to meet, where, you know, where everyone was going to get together before you went into the ballgame. And there's a great big bat there waiting for, uh, you know, waiting for you to to be the meeting spot. So it's a great name for uh, a book. George, how are you doing? Oh, good, man. I hope you got the the version that were, were the uh, the graphic artist at the publishing company spelled forward correctly. I have an early vintage copy with forward with an a <laughs> yeah, nice job graphics guy that just makes this one a collector only in the early copies that's we what i'm correct, saying we get them to correct that 
This is like this is like the the Billy Ripken card that has uh, has a bad quite, word written on the yes. end of the bat. <laughs> I, I should mention while we're talking about the bat, the bat's still there. Okay. Uh, the stadium is gone. There's a yeah. there's a, a park on its on the grounds with a baseball diamond in the same place, a couple of softball fields. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But as you come out of the new Metro North station, the bat is still there. So all of this, George, is to establish your bona fides as a legit baseball fan, a a reporter. You've got a, you've had a lot of on field experiences out there in in the world of Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball. You are a consumer. You're a fan, an enthusiast. You're an author about it now. And, uh, you know, you are you are New York through and through when it comes to baseball fandom. And so Staten Island is, of course, part of that tapestry that is New York yeah. baseball. So we're talking. Yeah, about I have the... to throw one little one little sidebar in there. Oh, yeah. Is that I always say God has a sense of humor. And to prove it, I worked 10 years as a features producer for the New England Sports Network, uh, <laughs> your people home of the Boston Red Sox and Boston Bruins. And yeah. I'm the only uh, kid who grew up in New Jersey, loving the Yankees, who can say honestly on your show that I love the Red Sox. I love their history. But back to Staten Island, I apologize for the diversion. That's OK. Staten go. Island, the Ferry Hawks. I'm curious to know from you just as a, as a fan of baseball, of a baseball person in New York, how important is it that there is baseball in Staten Island? And the great thing about Staten Island's ballpark is that it might be the greatest view in minor league baseball, hmm. which if you've been there, you're looking right out at New York Harbor. You can see the ferries coming across, hence the new nickname, Ferry Hawks. You can see what was the World Trade Center site. Like we used to cover games there for News 12. Uh, we would shoot stuff and you could see the Twin Towers and now you can see the Freedom Tower. Yeah. And it's sunset, like, you know, evening, dusk. Oh, my goodness. What a sight. Now, the only problem with that is actually getting to the park. That's always been the hamstring injury mm -hmm. for the Staten Island Pro teams. Um, the team is having a pretty good second half this year. I think they're right there for the second half title, which would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, but the like I said, it's a great park, and they try real hard, and it's great for Staten Island, but it, it's just not an easy place to get to. In terms of the uh, the the Ferry Hawks, one of the things they've done is that they've reached out and they've had a, a high end designer create this brand that that made something of a of a splash and this sort of like uh, defiant looking New Yorker, uh, you know, Hawk himself on the ferry, and uh, you know we've talked already on this episode about some of the details in that logo, but they they definitely tried to capture that sort of New York spirit with with this brand in a way that you know. Definitely the Staten Island Yankees did not, but that does bring us to the question of the alternate brand that we, the aforementioned alternate brand from the Staten Island Yankees, the Staten Island Pizza Rats, who yes. were named for a viral YouTube video of a rat dragging pizza down some subway stairs or up some subway stairs. Was that? Well, he was bringing them down. He, he was, was bringing them down into the oh, subway. Yeah. It was, it, it stirred emotions. Uh, you know, some you know, some folks felt like it portrayed a, a negative stereotype of New York and uh, New Yorkers, whereas others thought, hey, this is this is a really fun play on something that happened on social media. And it's, uh, you know, the sort of ultimate underdog story, this this rat who got himself a slice of pizza. That would have been me. Yeah. You were famously, uh, you know, you 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 were adamant in your support of this uh, pizza rat brand. 
I'm not from New York, so I don't get to say, right? Like it's uh, it's not. Sure. I, I mean, look, if you're buying the stuff, you have a say in it. But well, you know, the, so people know the, the, the background yeah. is that I know you're a huge advocate for teams dropping the parent team name. Staten Island Yankees, Syracuse yeah. Mets, whatever the deal was. Yeah. So the Staten Island management decided to hold a contest to rename the team. And as it happens, Pizza Rats was one of the four finalists and it won. Yeah. And I'm sitting at Chasing News at the time thinking, this is the greatest. I'm going to buy eight hats, 27 <laughs> shirts. This is hysterical because, you know, New York, you got to, you got to kind of have a, in New Jersey too, you got to have an attitude, right? right it's like right. Yeah, Pizza Rats. What's, what's more New York than that? Yeah. Whether you like it or not, it happened. It happens. Go to the subway today. There's probably far worse things happening yeah. that you're not going to name your team for. So I guess I guessed immediately that the parent club would be very unhappy. Yeah. And they were. So suddenly the Staten Island Yankees put out a press release. I'm pretty sure it was 2017. Mm-hmm. And said, oh, you know what? It's too late in the season. We can't rebrand. It'll be too hard. We're gonna keep the Yankees logo, the moniker for another year. And I'm, I remember, I remember tweeting them and saying, "You don't know how much money you guys just let go out the window." Well, yeah. fast forward a year, I'm still chasing news. I look in the uh, on on the wire services, and it says they're going. I get an email, and they're gonna try, they're gonna try the the brand, but it's only gonna be Saturdays. Yeah, hmm. like six, seven Saturday games, and like one camp day game. Right. Well, those guys, if I remember correctly, sold more stuff in three days than they did the entire 2017 season. Not that the Staten yeah. Island Yankees brand was, but they had some nice stuff. Yeah. But Pizza Rats, are you kidding me? And they brought it back the next year. And I was sure the Yankees were just going to go nuts. But in the end, what's minor league baseball supposed to be about? It's supposed to be about fun. Yep. And I hope for the sake of the team ownership, and the management, it's about making money. Yeah, George, what a pleasure to get to finally talk to you on the podcast. This has been uh, this has been fun as I knew it would be. Where can people <laughs> find you on uh, on Twitter and uh, elsewhere? Well, at George Falkowski, if you can spell that, uh, F like Frank, A L K O W S K I. My handle is three six three D P. As a former uh, president of the First Baseman's Union. Uh, <laughs> My my campaign slogan was not everybody can play first base. Thank you very much. I like uh, it. <laughs> and uh, I think we all know this that if we if we keep what you want to call it Twitter or Twitter X or X, if we stick to the fun stuff and the stuff that people enjoy, baseball also for me hockey. My kids play. I've been around hockey for forty years too. We should do a whole podcast on that. Um, <laughs> you know, if you keep it to fun stuff, it's actually a pretty positive place to go. And I think you've certainly proven that with with what you've done on Twitter over the number, last number of years with the shows that you guys do, uh, with Anna, with Baseball Bucket List, with Johnny Bolin, you know, in the average post. <laughs> all our buddies out there. I mean, everybody, Pat Larson with the hats, uh, yeah. you with the ice cream. Everybody contributes so much to this community. And you can really make it a positive place where, where there's so much toxicity and so much really bad stuff out there. It seems that we've carved out a really cool corner and we're inviting you all in. If you want to have fun and keep politics and all that stuff out of it and just enjoy sports and baseball and the minors and that, come come join us, follow you, follow baseball and ice cream. You're happy to tag along with me. That's fun. You want to get the book? Great. I'm working on another one, but uh, you know, it's, it's just, 
it's just it's a wonderful community and and that you guys even include me and it really uh it, it, it's flattering it really is and, and i thank you for that well it's certainly not up to us who's who's in and who's out right like this is you are very much a part of it yourself and uh you know certainly been fun to follow you and like i said so glad to finally get you on the podcast you can find meet me at the bat on uh on amazon uh now with 100% fewer typos than the uh, the collector's item. The original. Thank you, graphics guy. Uh, and just for those who, who haven't been part of that train, uh, it, it does center, the theme is the late 70s and early 80s Yankees, but it's really about me discovering a bag of old ticket stubs and, and picking out 32 games that I vividly remember. And it's really more about the people that I experienced the games with. So you don't have to be a Yankee fan to, to kind of get it. So is the second book going to be about all of the QR codes you've discovered in the deleted files on your phone? Actually, no. <laughs> uh, the second book, uh, the working title, and uh, you've seen me use it on um, social media before, is Ballpark Therapy. Oh, very nice. And the theory on uh, on the book is why people like us use the ballpark as an oasis. George, this might set the record for the longest wrap-up of any interview I've done. Wow! So. <laughs> Thanks again, I've George. Been paid to talk my entire life. It's really we will we will talk to you again on this podcast. I promise, and it won't take ninety some episodes to get back to you. I'm awesome. Happy to do it, and and thank you for having me on. It is time. Once again, for your favorite segment of this podcast, Dan Simon's Studio Simon Stumpers. Dan, good morning. How are you? I am, as always, fantastic. Thank you. We are talking this morning about the Staten Island Ferry Hawks. So I am ready. So many areas where you could be, uh, where you could go with this one. So I'm just, I'm just going to sit here and see what you got. Okay. Um, before we get into the question, I just want to mention that the creator of the Staten Island Ferry Hawks identity um, is Sky Dillon, as you guys already know, because he's already been on this episode. Mm -hmm. um, Sky is a good friend of mine um, and a frequent collaborator, even though the great majority of the work done here at Studio Simon comes from my hand. Sky has been involved in numerous studio Simon projects. Sky is a great designer, a great guy. Um, I'm talking up one of my competitors, um, a competitor to the point that it was down to two designers for the Staten Island Ferry Hawks brand identity development. Uh, Sky Dillon was one, Studio Simon was the other, Sky Dillon got the job. So we, co we brand identity professionals coexist I think very happily, not just Dan Simon and Sky Dillon, but Todd Radom and Joe Bosack and all the rest of them out there. Um, as a very happy fraternity, we, we are competing against each other, but, but I can speak for myself only, but I feel that, that this goes for others as well. We are happy whenever we see each other's success. So with that in, in mind, let's, well, not with that in mind, because what mm. we're going to talk about now has nothing to do with sports branding. As a matter of fact, it has to do with Staten Island specifically. So mm. on Staten Island, by the way, I was born in New York City, born in the Bronx, lived my first seven years in Queens, uh, though we moved to suburban New Jersey when I was, when I was seven, 
Um, I, I went to the School of Visual Arts in, in Manhattan. Um, my dad's office was in Manhattan for most of my life. Um, so I, I'm a New Yorker myself. I have to admit of the five boroughs of New York, the only one I've never been to is Staten Island. And you wonder never- why Sky Dillon got that job. <laughs> touche, touche. So, um, so here we go. On Staten Island, there was a statue that served as a memorial commemorating the borough's little-known tragedy, an attack on one of the Staten Island ferries. Specifically, the ferry's name was the Cornelius G. Kolf, um, and that attack led to the sinking of said ferry that and that sent nearly 400 passengers to their cold, watery graves on November 22nd, 1963. Now, few know about this tragedy because of what happened later in that day. This is not yet the stumper, but do you know what happened later that day, November? This this happened very early in the morning, this, this sinking of the Cornelius J. Kolf on November 27, 1963. What happened shortly thereafter that day? Is that JFK? That was indeed so good. You know what? I'm going to count that as part one of the question. You, okay. you are correct in, in the first part of, of the, the non-multiple choice aspect of uh, Studio Simon's Stumpers. Yes, President John F. Kennedy was assassinated that day, and that monopolized the news coverage and the headlines. So very little, very few people heard about um, this attack on on this, this Staten Island ferry. Um, Full disclosure, another reason few people have heard about it is because the whole thing was actually an elaborate hoax, dressed up as a practical joke by artist Joe Reginella as an art installation in 2016. But he, he created an actual statue, put it out by the waterfront, um, and people, there, there was nothing on it that suggested this was um, not an, an actual event. So um, our studio, Simon Stumper, today asks, according to art installation artist Joe Reginella, what sank the Corn- Cornelius J. Kauf Staten Island Ferry? Was it A, a Russian submarine, B, a giant octopus, or C, a UFO. It's an art installation. This is amazing. What an amazing story! You you had me hook, line, and sinker there with this. I I was uh, I was sure that there was a, a a tragedy. You described it as a tragedy, but I think you also described it as an attack. Well, it was a the it was an attack, and the result was certainly tragic. Four hundred okay. okay. passengers. Um, going to their watery graves. And, and you said I had you hook, line, and sinker. It had a lot of other people hook, line, and sinker too, because it was, it though though it was tongue-in-cheek, it was not presented as such. It was yeah. presented as fact with an actual sculpture. This is a sculpture of a significant size on the waterfront. Um, I think, I, I think, I'm going to say if it got a lot of people you know, if it had a lot of people believing, I'm going to say that UFO is probably a little too out there. So not UFO. I'm going to say 
Russian submarine for an art installation. That's pretty real. But what's he saying in 2016 with a Russian submarine? Well, I don't know. There was a lot going on in 2016. But Octopus for an art installation. Dan, I'm going to say that because this is an art installation and because it was the the outrageousness of the idea of a giant octopus attacking a ferry and sinking it, I'm going with I'm going with octopus. Paul Caputo just took both ends of the double stumper. <laughs> the you double are, stumper. <laughs> yeah, you are correct, Paul. So your 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 role continues, and you had me a little worried there when you said, you know, if this if this. Uh, uh, fooled so many people, uh, you're going to rule out a UFO right away. So the thinking good, was good there, but if you're thinking that it fooled so many people, wouldn't a giant octopus um, be a little bit of a tip-off that maybe this didn't really happen? So I was a little worried then, but you eliminated the Russian submarine for whatever your reasons were there, and and you landed on the, the correct answer. And it is... I've seen anybody can Google this. If um, if I've seen the sculpture itself, and it it's actually pretty good. It's a Staten <laughs> Island ferry with uh, you know with the the parts of this the parts of the octopus that were not submerged coming up over it and you know wrapping around it. It's really pretty good. Um, I'll tell it, you what my thinking was, Dan, was that. The the UFO was just is not believable at all to me, especially if, you know, for for a news item. Right. Like, I mean, that would that we would have heard about since November 22. The Russian submarine was just a little too on the nose. And so the, the octopus seemed just outrageous enough to to really capture the imagination while also potentially being a real thing. So that's how I landed there. I don't know if my thinking was any good, but it got me to the right place. Well, but perhaps that was um, Joe Reginella's thinking in in developing this um, idea. And I, I would like to thank you know here we are seven years past uh, when 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 he first did this, not first did this when he did this, um, and I'd like to think that he is would be pretty excited to hear that. Uh, People are still talking about his art installation. You know, there's a really good chance he's listening to this podcast. So, hey, Joe, hello to you. Kudos hello, Joe. to you, your great uh, um, idea of this art installation and, and know that it's, it's legend lives on. This podcast is the MASH finale of podcasts. It's, you know, you can just assume, you know, eight out of 10 people are probably listening at any given point. <laughs> I think that's you you are underestimating the, the numbers. <laughs> Dan Simon, thank you so much. As always, this is so much fun. This one was particularly fun. I really enjoyed this one. So thank you for uh, bringing your studio Simon Stumper to Baseball by Design. We will see you next week right back here for another Studio Simon Stumper. Um, I am looking forward to seeing you. I'm looking forward to... Um, hopefully your your role continuing so have a great week see you in seven seven seconds <laughs> that would leave that in paul <laughs> <laughs>